0: Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?
1: Get in touch with technology with Tech Stuff from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello again, everyone, and welcome to Tech Stuff. My name is Chris Pollette, and I'm an editor here at HowstuffWorks.com. Sitting across from me, as is usual, albeit a few minutes later than typical, is senior writer Jonathan Strickland.
0: Hey there. Yes. And everybody, remember to tell Tyler he had one thing to do today. <laughs> uh, that's an inside joke. We are going to talk a little bit today. We're we're continuing our series about reinventing and repurposing technology in cool and interesting ways. Uh, we're going to talk about something that's really kind of a uh, a humanitarian sort of approach to hacking. Mm-hmm. But before we really get into it, I wanted to read something. Uh It's a little listener mail. This is actual listener mail. I, I have it in front of me. It's on real paper what? and everything. What kind of strange technology is that? I know not. It confuses and frightens me. It's like it's appearing on a screen, but it's on an actual physical sheet of paper. Who'd that, have thunk it? Is that backlit? Uh, it is, but only because there's a lamp behind the letter that I'm reading. Uh, this is a letter that we received from our superfan, Adam Pervez, who actually has sent stuff to lots of our podcasts. He's a big fan of how stuff works podcasts in general. And if you guys have been to our Facebook page, you may have seen a picture. Uh, Chris and I were sporting a pair of uh, alpaca uh, wool hats. And these are hats that he picked up while he was doing something he calls the happiness plunge.
1: Alpacas are keen.
0: Yeah. So the happiness plunge is this idea he had where he decided he wanted to really follow his dreams and try to make the world a better place than it was when he got there. And so the idea is that he he quit his job and he started traveling uh, through the world, really, but mostly through Latin America when he started and trying to help different communities as he traveled from place to place. He would listen to the how Stuff Works podcasts on, uh, in between those places. Well, uh, I wanted to read a paragraph from this letter. It's actually a, a fairly long letter, so I'm not going to read the whole thing, but here's the paragraph. My goal as a traveler is to leave each place better than how I found it, which I do by volunteering everywhere I go. I've had volunteering experiences such as feeding the elderly at a nursing home in Mexico, installing solar panels in rural Honduras, attracting book donations for a rural library project in Peru, playing with kids at orphanages in Costa Rica and Ecuador, designing a financing strategy for a new NGO in El Salvador, and marketing an organization that turns donated used bikes into bike machines, washing machines, blenders, water well pumps, etc. in Guatemala. There's a lot I can offer as an engineer slash MBA. And uh, there's more to the letter than that. But that's kind of what gave us the idea for this podcast. We wanted to talk about technology that people have taken and repurposed to benefit people who are in developing nations who don't have access to the same level of technology we do. And in fact, if we were to give those people uh, the technology that we take for granted every day – it would not necessarily be helpful because their conditions, their day-to-day conditions are so vastly different from the ones we are used to that they would not necessarily be able to take advantage of that tech. So they're actually taking kind of a lower tech approach by repurposing stuff that was never meant to do the things that it now does. And we thought, what a cool idea. So we wanted to kind of get into that and sort of talk about the different ways people have tried to, to uh, accomplish this. Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm sorry, you were going to say something.
1: Well, I was going to say that uh, in in some of these places, uh, you know, these, these are the places where, for example, cell phones have really vaulted over landlines yes. because uh, a lot of uh, a lot of areas have not ever been wired for landline telephone use. So, um, you know, now that uh, cell phone to- technology is so inexpensive. Mm-hmm. I mean, just the the basic phone technology. Um, it you know many people in uh, places such as uh, you know uh, Africa, for example, mm-hmm. um, more of the rural areas. Uh, you know, really, it's an, an an urban versus rural thing anyway. But yeah. but um, yeah, a lot of more the the rural places or or places that are more removed, uh, where there's a lot of distance in between that area and a, an urban area. Um, uh, cell phone usage, you know, it's easier to put up the towers than it is to wire those places for landlines. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, the, I, in, in doing research for other podcasts where we've talked about phones, um, I've just run across stories where they've said, well, you know, cell phone usage per capita. May be higher in some of these other places simply because everybody's got a cell phone. They never had a landline phone.
0: Right, right. It's um, not that they dropped one for the other. It's that right. they they completely leapfrogged.
1: Yeah, and, and 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 the play and some of these inventions that we're going to talk about, um, or these technologies, uh, they may not necessarily have. Uh, for example electricity 24/7. Yeah. But uh they might be able to repurpose some of these other things uh inexpensively to uh improve their lives through this other technology. And it is a lot of it is very inventive. I, I actually saw uh, Apollo 13 invoked in one of the articles that I was uh searching for because um if you know the story that was the uh the mission where um they uh the astronauts had serious serious problems because their some of the technology failed yes um and they had to come up with other stuff on the fly i know that was actually the uh the uh, genesis of the idea for uh, the tv show scrap heap challenge which in the united states was junkyard wars right where you had to just throw some other stuff together yeah, you and that's had to, sort of this the same idea you
0: would you would you would go through a junkyard and you would salvage different machines in order to build something that was specifically intended to achieve a a particular goal which was established at the beginning of the show so you would have a goal like it might be traverse this this landscape here and you're going to have to be able to go up a you know a 20 degree incline and there's going to be a section that's going to be rocky, and there might even be a section where you have to, to travel across water. So you have to build a machine that's capable capable of doing all those things. But all you have is whatever is in this junkyard.
1: Yeah, and of course they'd they'd end up, it's TV, so they'd end up seeding the junkyard yes. with a handful of necessary parts. Because if nobody ever, you know, they don't know everything that's in the junkyard. I'm sure right. they'd go. Well, it turns out that there isn't any of this stuff, and we're kind of stuck.
0: Right. So yeah, uh, it would make it would not make for interesting television. So no, they no, would really they would put in things in there. But here's the thing is that people are really inventive, right? Yeah. And they can come up with solutions that you do not anticipate. So even if you were to seed a junkyard with things that you think, oh, well, clearly they'll want to build a device that can do this by using this, this, and this, it may turn out that they end up getting stuff that you did not seed that junkyard with and they build something that works, you know, as well or perhaps even better than what you had conceived of when you were seeding it because people... Adapt to the situation they are in, and they uh, are very quick to adapt their technology as well. And in fact, we have seen that in developing nations, and a lot of the projects we're going to be talking about kind of – they didn't start this process. They just saw something that was happening and decided to help it along. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, And there are a couple of organizations I want to mention before we even get into – Specifics. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of those is called Random Hacks of Kindness.
1: Oh, that's nice. And
0: another is called Geeks Without Bounds. Nice. And both of these organizations are dedicated to helping developing nations through various uh, hack projects. Although, in both of those cases, they are more focused on the software side of things. Yeah. So, like you were saying, you know, cell phone use being much more prevalent than landline use. A lot of these involve apps for phones that would alert people to things that affect them in their daily lives um, and things that other people just wouldn't think of because it's not something that affects us, right? So a lot of these are programs that would not – that that are, again, on that software side that are not about hardware hacks. We're really focusing mostly on hardware hacks today, yeah. uh, although some other stuff might pop up too
1: yeah this is um also keep in mind that uh, a lot of the technology that that can be used for the you know it's perfectly good technology um you know we're not talking necessarily about junk although it might be things that other people have cast off as being obsolete uh in some cases it's you know completely functional yeah and uh you know there's there's no reason to uh to overdo it
0: yeah and there's some cases where it's not even repurposing uh in the sense of making something do something. It wasn't meant to do mm-hmm. like repurposing, just as in reusing. So there are a lot of these programs that allow you to do things like donate your old electronics sure. to various programs. So like old computers are, are the, that's the perfect example. It might be a computer that you think is obsolete because it can't run the latest stuff that you like to run. Yeah, but for a developing nation, it might be a very uh, useful asset. But we're really looking at in this podcast technology that's been turned into doing something else. And Mm -hmm. I I was going to start with Maya Petal. Okay. And Maya Petal, I'm, I'm assuming that's the organization that Adam was talking about in his letter because Maya Petal is the, is a Guatemalan, uh, organization that takes donated bikes, mainly donated from the United States and from Canada, Mm -hmm. and they take those bikes to either recondition them and sell them, or they use the parts to build what they call, and I'm going to completely butcher the pronunciation of this, uh, bikey maquinas, or bike-powered machines, pedal-powered machines. Mm -hmm. And so what they're doing is they're actually taking these bikes apart to some extent And using that pedal power, so instead of it turning a wheel, it's turning some other mechanical part to accomplish uh, a task that they might otherwise not have a mechanical uh, opportunity to uh, to address it. Like things like, and it's simple stuff. You know, Adam had mentioned things like a, a washing machine. Yeah. Well, that's a that's a perfect example. You've got a, a big tub that you put the water and the soap and the clothing in, and you have uh, an agitator in there, something that turns around and moves the clothing so that it creates this agitation, which will help the soap and water work out all the, the, the soil and mm-hmm. everything else mm-hmm. that's in the clothing. You have that agitator hooked up through a series of, of gears and chains or belts to a uh, a pedal system on a bike and it might even have the back half of the bike more or less intact where you've got the seat and everything and you sit down the seat you pedal the pedals it turns the agitator and it ends up washing clothing that way mm-hmm. uh, there's actually a guy in texas who had um, a blog the last entry i saw was in 2010 but there was a guy in texas named john wells who was building, he built something very similar to that. called the, uh, He called it the Bike-O-Warsher. Mm-hmm. Warsher spelled W-O-R-S-H-E-R in true Texas fashion. Uh, he, he was part of the Southwest Texas Alternative Energy and Sustainable Living Field Laboratory. So the idea was that he was building stuff that would allow you to have a sustainable life where you're not depending so much on things like electricity. Mm-hmm. And it was a really cool pro- uh, project, but it's very similar to the stuff you see in these developing nations. Now, in the case of Texas, obviously it's not due to lack of electricity. It's more of kind of an, an uh, uh, environmentally friendly lifestyle that he wants to adopt, right, right? But in the case of Guatemala, it may be necessity because not all places in rural in, uh, rural areas of these these countries have access to regular electricity.
1: Yeah, yeah, that's true. And one of the things that struck me in doing research for this podcast is uh, the similarity of some of these inventions to things that you might see in the pages of uh, Make Magazine or among mm-hmm. the, the hacker community. Um, you know, Talking about different bike machines, for example, I remember watching a, a video uh, probably more than a year ago now where uh, some, some folks in San Francisco basically collect old bikes. And what they do is they cut them apart and make... New bikes out of them. I mean, they're they're strange contraptions, things with different size wheels and all sorts right. of other stuff. Mo- mostly, to, it's like an art bikes community, and it's mostly because they can and and want to have fun doing that. But you can you can do the same kinds of things to to uh, uh, to create sustainable um, machinery. Yeah, I actually, um,
0: I saw a great video uh, from the Maya Pedal Group. Yeah, where they showed a uh, degrainer. And it was what it was was it was this it looked like the back half of a bicycle, Mm -hmm. but then there was this chute that you could feed uh, corn through, corn Mm -hmm. that's actually still on the cob, uncooked corn, and you would feed it through, and it had a series of gears that would end up pulling the kernels off the the cob. Yeah, so that you could degrain that corn very very efficiently. You just turn the you know you're pedaling, that's what's turning the gears. And, uh, it was so much faster than doing it by hand that it actually saves a lot of time and, yeah. and effort. Yeah. So that was another example. But they had lots of other ones that I saw one that was a, a, a pedal powered blender. Mm-hmm. And they were showing how they were using, uh, aloe plants. They would take the skin off the aloe plant and chop it up, put it in with some water in a blender, uh, and then, uh, uh, start pedaling. And they would use this to create things like shampoos that they could then sell, mm-hmm. and uh, it was a way of generating money. Because these are, in general, the the communities that these these projects are benefiting are incredibly poor compared to the the lives that most of the people in the West, uh, like the, the developed nations, are used to. Yeah. So, f- for example, for, for me and Chris, you know, the thought of... Uh, the reason why these devices are so important is because they they take away the reliance upon things like kerosene, which might cost four dollars a week, and that is prohibitively expensive. I mean, that is that's a totally different world than the world we live in.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, basically, if you are listening to this podcast, you you know this this is kind of a, a different concept. different
0: experience. Yeah, so yeah, the and and there was a a lot of other examples of the same sort of thing. Mostly, you know, all these really cool versions of bikes uh, to do things like make tiles uh, there was a, a bicycle bicycle powered thresher for for uh, uh, harvesting uh, crops mm-hmm. there there were water pumps I saw one where a guy was riding a bike and water was coming out of a, uh, of a pipe and it was it was like a, a bicycle powered well
1: yeah um, I, I actually ran across an invention from the uh, Nippon basic company in Japan uh-huh. uh, called the cycloclean. And basically, it's it's designed to uh, you add it to the bike. It, it it's kind of hard to describe. Uh, you might want to look it up. Uh, but it's it's got uh, water containers. So mm-hmm. somebody would ride their bike, and it goes on your bike, uh, an existing bike. So it's not un- unmodified, if you will. You don't want to cut a bike apart or anything like right, that. Right, it's a moving bike, and uh, so you ride to a place, a, a source of water. Now, if you think about uh, lakes or streams, creeks, uh, you know, most of us. Listening to this podcast, probably know uh, all sorts of microorganisms live in that water. A lot of it isn't safe to drink, and a lot of people around the world don't have access to clean water. Um, so, what this does is you pour the water into the containers, and as you, uh, you know, using the kinetic energy of pedaling the bike, the cyclo clean will uh, filter the water. So, it, it actually creates potable water by the energy of the bike, and it's it's portable and potable, nice. if you will. So it's that, that's a pretty so nifty a, device. A portable potable. There were it's some Jeopardy category. Yeah. Um, or, I guess uh, that's just, potent potables, but anyway. <laughs> um, actually, I, I just want to point out before we move on real quick. Yeah. Um, a lot of the devices that I found uh, in researching this episode are not things we can talk about because they're they're invented. They're intended to be ex- inexpensive and they're new, so it's not really repurposing right, technology. Right. There are so many really cool devices. It might it might also be worth uh, investigating it again in the future. Some of the n- really cool devices that are, you know, there'll be like a twenty dollars something, and it completely does a very useful function and speeds up right life. Right. And I'm like, oh man, if I could just use this, like we could talk.
0: You know, Dean Kamen did the whole uh, oh, yeah. thing about you know his his water uh, projects, which I think we talked about in the Dean Kamen podcast. Yeah, but that yeah. was. Years ago. Yes. Uh, anyway, so uh, I wanted to also mention, yeah, Maya Pedal, if you if you live in the United States or Canada and you're interested in donating an old bicycle to this, mm-hmm. uh, Maya Pedal does have its own website. And you can learn more about the program and how you can participate. Uh, they also invite people to come down and visit their facilities in Guatemala. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, you can even work there for a while, volunteer there for a while, uh, wow. and help do things like make repairs or design new machines. Um, it's very much a hacker culture in the sense of they have a, they have specific tasks they need to achieve. They have a specific set of resources they they that are at their disposal, mm-hmm. and they have to find the way to make the resources meet their their needs. Mm-hmm. So. They're not interested in making it look pretty. They're not interested in any of that. Their aesthetics are not important. Right. It's, it's not the point. Yeah. It's all about achieving the goal. And, and that's something that appeals to a lot of hackers mm-hmm. who are all about, Hey, yeah, I know that this was meant to do this one thing, but you know, if we just changed it a little bit, we could totally do this other thing. Right. Let's see if we can make it happen. And, uh, it, you, you read a lot about that kind of stuff in these, in these stories, um, there was another one that I wanted to mention, a very similar kind of idea again, using bicycles uh, A fellow named Hal Watts invented something designed to help countries that are all about dealing with e waste
1: mm-hmm. oh yeah, so
0: you know old electronics yeah. it's if a serious problem right yeah if you've ever if you 've ever tried to get rid of your electronics maybe you've maybe you've tried to put them in some sort of e waste Recycle Program. Mm-hmm. One of the problems of, of some of those programs, not all of them, they're not all created equal, but yeah, some a, of those programs- That's important to note. Yes. Some of these programs uh, ship that stuff off to various developing nations where they have an industry all around recycling that material. And it's mostly about recapturing uh, the, the metals that are used in those uh, products, mainly copper.
1: Yeah. And lead too. That's yes. another one of the big so, ones.
0: Recapturing the copper and lead that's used in these electronics, it can be a very dangerous uh, thing to do if you aren't being if you're if you're not following particular steps, right? And right. and it can release a lot of toxic elements into the environment and also affect people's health.
1: Yeah, the thing is too that in in some of these cases, uh, the people who are disassembling the electronics aren't given the proper tools to do that. And right. some I've read about people who uh, had to put. Uh, materials into a fire, That's essentially in, intending to melt it all down, and of course, in doing so, it releases toxic chemicals. Toxic chemicals uh, into this the soil. Um, people in the have atmosphere. had s- into the atmosphere. The people in the immediate area have health problems as a result of the the metals leaching into their soil and, and affect, having to breathe the smoke.
0: It can affect areas even further out from yeah. the immediate area. It's it's one of those. I mean, it, it in a way, it really shows that. Uh, environmental concerns and ecology go beyond just the point. Like it, 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 there's a there's like a ring effect, right? Right. You f- you move one ring further out from the center, and you can still see where the effects are, and they might not be as severe, and they may not be the same effects as you would see right, right at the point of contact, but mm-hmm. it's still negative. Well, in this case, very, it's exactly what you're talking about. You know, a lot of these uh, countries, what they do is that they will use fire to melt stuff down. Like, like let's say copper wire that's insulated. So you've got a rubber insulation around copper wire. Mm-hmm. Well, they want to get to the copper. They want to get the rubber off of there. And what's an efficient way of doing that? Well, you could burn the rubber off, but that can release a lot of toxic chemicals into the atmosphere and get mm-hmm. it into the ground as well. Uh, and then you also have essentially a burnt copper, which is not as valuable as copper that has not been put through this process. Mm-hmm. So, what Watts did was he built a machine that was again a bicycle-powered machine, where he, he called it the E source, and it has a grinder in it, and it has also a metal separator. Uh, it's, it's it's like a centrifuge in a way. Mm-hmm. And what you do is you put the copper wire into the grinder, and you pedal the pedals. Some grinders actually grind that up so that the rubber. And the, and the copper come apart it shreds the copper wire so you get l- smaller segments of copper wire and the rubber is, is pulled right off of the the copper mm-hmm. the spinning plate actually spins so that it separates out the copper from the rubber so then you've got these rubber pellets on one side and you've got the copper on the other side and it means that you no longer have the danger of Uh, burning this stuff and releasing the toxic chemicals. And you can actually recycle the rubber as well. So it, it also adds a second level of revenue to this process, Mm -hmm. which before was all about the metal because, you know, you couldn't use the rubber after you've burnt it off. But now you've got this, these rubber pellets that you can actually use in other forms of recycling. So it adds benefit to the process and it takes away some of the, the, the more dangerous parts of recycling electronics. Mm -hmm. So that was his uh, invention. There's actually video on the web. He's, he's got a website all about eSource. So if you, and it's E S O U R C E. If you do a search for that, you can actually find his website and learn more about it and the project that he's been working on. It's really, really interesting. Mm -hmm. So that's another example of, again, using bicycles. There are a lot of those because bicycles are one of those, that's a piece of technology that's common around the world. Oh yeah. And uh, and and it's one of those that um, it's it's so much more accessible than other kinds of technology and since it's not dependent upon electricity or fuel, it's got uh, it's it's really attractive for these communities that might not otherwise be able to afford the sort of technology that can do whatever it is these machines do.
1: Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah, um in a, in a similar vein, you actually wrote about uh one of the technologies I wanted to talk about. Sure. Um and uh you know, one of the serious problems that they have in in some developing nations or a lot of developing nations I should say is uh uh you know, babies who are are born prematurely um and uh you know, uh they need incubation to to keep them warm and uh I, I think it's really clever there's a, jonathan wrote an article for the website howstuffworks.com on um on uh using uh engines to serve as incubators mm-hmm. um it's really really cool stuff uh basically uh you know they uh, it it uses a um an engine to to generate the the heat but um, it also, uh, has a battery powered backup. And it, it was actually, uh, developed by, uh, the Center for Integration of Medicine and Innovative Technology, uh, or CIMIT, mm-hmm. and a, uh, a, a company called Design That Matters, um, which, uh, you know, is into all kinds of different design, really. Mm-hmm. Um, they had a, uh, basically they had a, um, a contest to see who could, who could come up with the best, uh, contraption for this. And it, uh, you know, uses, um, uh basically different parts of the automotive assembly for you know um uh there's a, a a handrail built into it for example and they're um you know they're parts that that come that are not part of the, the automotive kit but um right, the rest right. of it you know they uh they use uh, the uh headlights to generate heat yep and uh HVAC for um you know to uh stir the heat around yeah so circulate the air yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, it's it's uh, that was definitely an interesting project to read about because again, it was, uh, it was this idea that it's not just the problem of, um, of getting the tech to them; it's getting tech that is easy to maintain, and it's a lot easier to maintain the basic parts of an automobile. Again, a technology that has fairly wide distribution than it is for something that's incredibly specialized. So, mm-hmm. if a hospital sent uh, a a, a high tech incubator mm-hmm. to a developing nation, and that incubator were to break down, as you know, technology tends to do over time. Yeah, it's a lot harder for that. It may be impossible for that that organization to make repairs. It may take months to get uh, a broken machine fixed uh, when it's got that level of sophistication, and the tools that the people have don't meet that level of sophistication. Right. So being able to create technology that can accomplish the same goal but it are, but is built from much more basic types of tech that have a lot more uh, distribution around the world means that you have made it far more accessible. Mm-hmm. Because, again, uh, in fact, I I read this, and this was from Make Magazine. There was a great article by Paul Spinrad called Design for Hack in Medicine. Mm -hmm. And in that, there was a a little fact that said about 90% of medical technology that reaches poor countries is hand-me-down equipment designed for first-world facilities. Yeah. That's the problem. Mm -hmm. Because these are not first-world facilities that these, these devices are going to. Right. So there's limited use there.
1: You, know, you don't, you don't go in and plug something into the wall in some of these cases. Right. You don't have a wall to plug into in some of these cases. Right. So you have to come up with a new, uh, way of powering that. And, uh, I, 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 I think I misspoke a few minutes ago when I was talking about using the car engines. They don't, you know, put the kit on the engine. That would not be very good. Um, no, they use the, the engines for parts. Yeah. Um, and that's because the, the, you know, people have the tech around and, and generally people know how to repair. A car. So right. they know what the different pieces do and, uh, you know, the parts would be available.
0: Yep. And then uh, I wanted to talk a little bit about a, a fellow named Jose Gomez Marquez. Mm-hmm. Now, he's really looked into this medical issue mm-hmm. about creating medical equipment for countries that do not have first world medical facilities. Right. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a whole list of different kinds of technology that he and his team have come up with uh, to help out these countries. One of those was a device that actually uses sunlight to sterilize surgical tools, mm-hmm. which again, that's that's phenomenal. And, it, and according to the article, it says it uses a bucket, a pressure cooker, and 140 pocket-sized mirrors, uh, which all of which were purchased out of a Nicaraguan market. And then they built out this device that uses sun, sunlight to end up heating these surgical tools so it, they are sterilized. Because they don't have electricity, or at least not enough electricity, to power a regular autoclave for sterilizing tools. And that if they were to go with one that ran on fuel, it would cost them so much money. And again, we're talking about small amounts of money for most of us, but for these communities, it's, it's prohibitively expensive to run those sort of devices, which means that you are risking some major medical catastrophes if you do not have properly sterilized surgical tools. Yeah, You know, you're talking about possibility for terrible infections that could really make uh, patient mortality rates skyrocket. So this was a way of creating a device that doesn't depend on electricity. It just uses sunlight, which, you know... To, it's much easier to, to, to get hold of <laughs> than it would for something like electricity. So that was a good example. But then the article actually goes into other things that uh, were developed specifically for this, uh, for this community and communities like it uh, through – uh, MIT, yeah. which was this idea of Medi kits. Mm-hmm. Have you read
1: about these? Um, I, I did. Yeah, um, Gomez Marquez is uh, the program director for MIT's Innovations in International Health mm-hmm. program, and, and and the the idea behind these kits and this program is that um, these these parts and pieces are available to uh, physicians in who are working in these areas. They yeah. might be able to find that, and so uh, the point was to teach them how to use uh, everyday stuff to make uh, equipment that they would have... You know, they would be familiar with as physicians in the first world. They would already be familiar with the, the pre-made, manufactured version of this. Now, he's he, his group wants to teach people how to take uh, these parts and do it themselves on on the fly right. from and, what's on hand.
0: And, in fact... Uh, they they have these medikits that come in in five different variations. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's drug delivery, lateral flow diagnostics, lab on a chip,
1: mm-hmm. vital
0: signs, and agricultural prosthetics. Which the agricultural prosthetics one is pretty pretty wild to me. But we'll we'll I'll talk about that in a second. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, it's talking about taking a lot of like Chris was saying a lot of basic elements that you can find in other forms of of machinery and electronics. So talking about things like um, plungers or bicycle pumps or uh, compressors, tilt sensors, that sort of stuff. These basic elements and then teaching people different ways of putting those things together to accomplish whatever your goals are. Mm-hmm. And uh, in fact, they talked a lot about how they learned about using toys, yeah. parts from toys as medical equipment. So things like a... Uh, a remote-controlled helicopter and, and removing some of the machinery from that in order to create a medical device. They mm-hmm. talked about uh, even uh, there was a, a a an electric mechanical Ferris wheel toy that could be double as a centrifuge, just with some modifications. So they talked about how you know medical equipment, the the comparable medical equipment if this country were to try and buy it would be. Really expensive, yeah. Like we're talking about really sophisticated medical equipment, but that you could accomplish the same outcome with these low tech approaches just by repurposing the technology, and suddenly the cost drops dramatically. Mm-hmm. So, so suddenly these these things that were out of reach for these medical facilities become attainable. It just means that you have to learn how to adapt this technology so that it can do what you need it to do, and. The article was so fascinating to me because it talks so much about how they found they, – they discovered that there were people in the field already doing this, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. It, it had There are people who were taking equipment and saying, all right, well, uh, I'm just going to take this one piece of equipment I have and I'm going to alter it in this way so it can do what I did, need it to do better than it can right now because the, the use cases might be very specific and – the equipment might be very generalized. And so you might have a generalized piece of equipment that can do a lot of stuff, but it can't do it as well as a modified piece of equipment could. And they were starting to see how people were modifying things and and improvising out in the field in order to make repairs or to make modifications to get better results. Uh, It was really, really interesting and uh, also really speaks a lot to human ingenuity.
1: Yeah, well, I think I think for somebody who would be trained um, in a modern hospital to to do medical care, you would be thinking of the technology that that we have available to us. And I, I think that the trick is to get people to see uh, the similarities between everyday stuff and the high tech equivalent. Yeah. Um, you know, the photo I, I saw in the article I read about um, about this program. Uh, they show him using a, a drinking straw for a pipette. Now, you know, I, I would think uh, myself, and I'm not a medical professional by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, having elementary uh, chemistry classes in high school, thinking, you know, well, that, that's kind of, you know, that's, that's not as scientific and it's not as sanitary. But, uh, you know, if, if, if you do things carefully and you know what you're doing – you can still do a lot with that technology available. And that's, I think that's the point is to draw that parallel so that you see, yes, I mean, you are achieving the same goal with this, uh, everyday technology that you would be with this highly precise manufactured stuff. Yeah. And you can do it with what you have and it will, will help people. Um, it, it is worth pointing out that a lot of, uh, there are, are initiatives and non governmental organizations that are repurposing, uh, uh, less modern technology, you know, stuff that's... Five years out of date, ten years out of date, right? Uh, stuff that's still perfectly viable, and and sending it to to other countries that don't have access to those technologies, which is which is you know great. Rather than scrapping it, um, you know somebody else is is able to put it to use, but not everyone can use that. So these these uh, initiatives are are certainly very valuable.
0: Yeah, and getting back to the medikit stuff, mm-hmm. what the the team discovered was that when they started to distribute these medikits. Uh, Let me read a quote from the article. It says, we designed the limits of our early kits carefully, but when users began to snap on, extend, and test their creations, something emerged that we did not anticipate. Mm -hmm. They hacked our kits, which is what we were talking about. Like They made the kits modular, like Mm -hmm. these ideas of these modular kits so that you could create different It's almost like the medical version of Arduino stuff. Yeah, It was a very modular approach to creating medical equipment, but they were going beyond the modular approach and adding in elements that were not part of the kit or physically altering parts of the kit yeah. in order to do what they needed it to do, and they started to see that okay, well, with this sort of mentality, which makes perfect sense, you know, they they are trying to to meet the needs of whatever their community happens to be. They said, "All right, well, we have to th- think to design these kits." With hacking in mind, Mm -hmm. knowing that the stuff is going to get hacked when we send it out, we have to design the kits. And they say, while it's impossible to predict every type of device a kit can produce, you can start with a core set of devices, start to add degrees of freedom to that core, and then try to anticipate design areas in which those degrees will be hacked. And the reason why they want to make sure that they take this into account is, one, so that the devices are as accessible and uh, useful as possible, mm-hmm. but two and possibly more importantly, they want to put safety measures in place. Yeah. So that if you were to hack this medikit, you would not end up creating a device that could cause more harm than good. Right. So that was their other concern: was that all right? Well, we want to make sure that whatever we design, it's not going to end up killing people when a hack goes wrong, because yeah. not every time <laughs> hackers know this. Not mm-hmm. every attempt is a success. Sometimes you take stuff apart and it just don't work no more.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh, some of us, that's the only kind of hacker we are. I'm guilty of that.
1: Yeah. I yep. can
0: take things apart really well, putting it back together and making it work. Okay. It's a baby step process, people. So anyway. Where did these extra pieces come from? <laughs> I don't even know what this fits in. Um. I wanted to talk a little bit about the agricultural prosthetic medikit uh, flavor of medikits they had because that was one that I thought was kind of interesting. Mm-hmm. So the kit essentially has a universal gripper. So this is a device for people who have lost a limb mm-hmm. and uh, need ha- need something in order to be able to uh, to to harvest crops. So it might be something so that you could pick a uh, fruit from a tree. But let's say you've lost a limb through some terrible uh, injury or,
1: or illness, and, um, and in some cases that would uh, lead people not to to want to hire you anymore, right? Because because you're no longer as effective,
0: right? So this is a this kit came with a a universal gripper made from PVC, bicycle inner tubes, and a soda bottle, to really? attach most farm tools onto the arm or forearm of an amputee farmer. So the soda bottle was the part that fit over the the whatever part of the arm remains, right? right? Mm-hmm. So that would fit on that, and then the rest would extend from the soda bottle out, ending in the univer- in the universal gripper, so that it could pull or grip onto whatever it is you needed. And uh, it said each part of the kit follows the same three principles: core device, modifier device, and consumables. Um, and then it talked about how, and in, in various articles, talked about how people who received these kits even then would modify them further by adding in other elements like other stuff to extend the arm even further than it was already meant to go so Mm -hmm. that it could help people reach crops that otherwise would be out of their range. So again, people took the stuff that were, that was distributed and made even more modifications so that it was more useful for their own daily lives. Uh, fascinating stuff and absolutely and again i mean the the ingenuity here like people noticing that a noisemaker in a toy could be used as an alarm system for a medical device so that when something is getting to a critical parameter it goes a noise is made so that it alerts people mm-hmm. things like that like you know, where they don't have that specialized equipment they're building it themselves it's really interesting to me
1: yeah yeah well that's that's what tech stuff is about um yeah. you know if you're a long-term listener you know that uh, uh Jonathan and I like to talk about technology and people how it out how it affects people and um i think this is this is really awesome because a lot of these devices that people are taking apart uh, are are either obsolete or are broken, and they're repurposing them and helping other people with that. And I just I, I just think that's absolutely fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's it's not just ingenuity but compassion, and yeah. those two those two elements coming together that's oh, that's like the best of humanity, right? Yeah, you're talking about caring for other people and using your your creative endeavors to come up with new solutions, that's a great story. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so, guys, if you have interest in this, I highly recommend you look into some of these projects further and see maybe there's something you can help out with. Maybe there's something you can either donate money to or, even better, if you are able to donate your time or expertise to some of these projects, Mm -hmm. you can make an enormous difference in the lives of other people. And, and bring a, uh, help bring a better living experience to people who really are having a totally different kind of life than the one most of us are used to.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, even if it's, it's just a small thing to you, it may make a real difference in someone else's life.
0: That's true. So, uh, I'm glad that we had this discussion. Yeah. I think that, I think that's a good, uh, overview of the subject. Now there are a lot more examples that are out there. Uh, we really just covered some, some pretty broad topics, but, I do recommend you look into it if this is something that interests you. And, uh, and maybe you'll find your passion like Adam did who, you know, he, he, he really uprooted his entire life in order yes. to pursue this. And that's, that's amazing. Uh, happiness plunge indeed. In fact, uh, happinessplunge.com, folks, if you want to take a look at his website, because, uh, it's, it's a, a, a crazy, wonderful sort of thing to do. Um, I, I'm not sure that I am the kind of person who could, who could make that commitment. I am amazed at people who do and mm-hmm. uh, thankful for them as well. Well, that wraps up this discussion. If you guys have s- subjects that you would like to suggest we cover, you can contact us by email. Mm-hmm. Our address is techstuff at discovery.com. Or you can let us know on Facebook or Twitter. Our handle there is techstuffhsw. Or, hey, you can send us a real-life letter. A what? Yeah. Uh, it's the, is that that's, using that fancy technology you've got over there? I right? used Google, and that's what it says this thing is. Oh, okay. Um, so, anyway, uh, uh, the address for the office is on our website, howstuffworks.com. So, uh, and, hey, we love getting mail, and the stuff you missed in history class, ladies, get a lot more of it than we do. So let's make them jealous for a while, shall we? Uh, and we'll talk to you guys again really soon.
1: For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. Brought to you by the reinvented 2012 Camry. It's ready. Are you?